You must be the hungry ones taking a Sunday night <laughs> and just spending some time in the presence of the Lord. There's a million things you probably could have done tonight, but you chose to come here. That says something about the kind of person you are. And that makes me really happy to talk to you because I know that you are desiring his presence and his voice. Just honor Pastor Chris and Jennifer. How wonderfully sweet-hearted they are. Just fragrant with Christ. They both carry such a joy and a settled rest. Uh, they lay hands on me and pray for me every time they see me, and I get drunk in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Wonderful people. I just want to honor them and say uh, it's, a, it's a great privilege to know you guys and to be friends with you. I pray it lasts for, for the rest of our lives. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 45. Put a finger there and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I wish to speak to you tonight about Jesus and Jesus only. I just don't have another interest, if you know what I mean. I've been around... Christianity my whole life. My dad was a pastor all my life. I grew up in the church, went to Christian schools, Christian camps, and I heard a lot about God. And I've heard all kinds of themes and all kinds of focus and emphases. And I, but the one that takes the cake, the only one that holds my interest is the man, Christ Jesus. He is just so wonderful. And he's inexhaustible. And the more I think about him, the bigger he gets. The more I look into him, the more I find there is of him. He is an inexhaustible treasure of, of riches. And the more that we give our time and attention to him, the more we will fall into him. And the more we will realize how deeply we need him. I'm not against having other thought patterns or, or things that people are interested in. I'm not against it. But I will say, if the heart of everything isn't the man, Christ Jesus, we missed it. So we're going to look at Jesus tonight because that's the only thing we're interested in, right? Look at Hebrews 1 first. Verse 3. He, this is Jesus. Jesus is, and notice it didn't say was, only, or will be. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. <laughs> that should make a little bubble burst up on the inside of your heart. He's the exact representation of, you want to know what God's like? Look into the beautiful, tender eyes of Jesus. He is the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the power of his word. And when he had made purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and I, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. <laughs> for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son today, I've begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let the angels of God worship him and the angels of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers flames of fire. But of the son, he says, 
Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your companions. What a mouthful of praise. What a mouthful of exaltation. What a mouthful of magnificence. We see Jesus exalted right here in all of his wonderful attributes touched on in each one of these. This same verse is actually in Psalm 45. If you look at verse six, it says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above all your fellows. And the next verse is what I want to point at. All your garments smell of myrrh, or all your garments are fragrant with myrrh. You say, Eric, what are you trying to say tonight? I want to lift Christ up so high and so bright that he extinguishes all the other stars in the sky. All the other things that come in and try to grab our attention, if we can lift Christ as high as the scriptures are lifting him in our hearts, we will see that all of his garments smell of myrrh. In other words, all of his garments are fragrant with the perfume of his person. You say, what are all his garments? All his offices. His garments are his offices. He has these different attributes of his person that all merge together in one man. He is the Christ. When we say Christ, we're talking about something specific. The word Christ means anointed one. And in the Old Testament, three kinds of people were anointed. Prophets, priests, kings. Jesus is the anointed one. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king. All of his garments smell of sweetness. Whether he wears the, the what is it called, the sackcloth of a prophet, whether he wears the sash of a priest or whether he wears the garment of a king, they all are perfumed with the sweetness of his person. And each one of these things are aspects and revelations of what he's like. He is the Christ. As Rutherford wrote, if you could rightly prize Christ, nothing would be bitter to you. If you could rightly prize Christ, then nothing would be bitter to you because you would find in every circumstance and situation of life, you have a prophet, you have a priest, and you have a king who in his garments smells of sweetness in every aspect of your life. This is our Christ. Christ is the totally anointed one. Notice that it says there that God anoints him with joy. In other words, it's not just that he has more joy than all other humans. God is so glad to anoint him above all other humans. It's both. So you see, God is so happy to show you that Jesus is the best prophet. God is so happy to show you Jesus is the best priest. God is so happy to lift up his king. I have set my king upon my holy hill. He's God's king. Praise God. These things should cause eruptions on the inside of us. You know, somebody said to me one day, 
what is praise? And I started to think about it. And all my life I was taught that praise is something you do when you don't feel right and you want to feel better and you just kind of try to make something happen that's not really happening and you just say certain things and hopefully it, it changes the way you feel. Listen, I was wrong. C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, praise is the commencement of enjoyment. You say, Eric, I don't understand what you mean. Let me break it down for you. You have a cup of coffee. You take that cup of coffee, you smell it, it smells so good, you put it in your mouth. It's nice and warm, the taste bursts on your tongue, the warmth going down your chest and you go, ah, that's good coffee. That's praise. It's the commencement of enjoyment. It's not something you do as much as it is something that happens to you. Praise is eruptions on the inside when you start looking at what and who Christ really is. When you see him as prophet, you say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. You see him as priest, you say, oh, I need a priest, and he's the perfect priest. You see him as king, and you bow your knee gladly and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Seeing Christ causes eruptions of praise. John Piper said, to the degree our praise is without feeling, we diminish the one we praise. We must feel on the inside based upon staring at what he's shown us of himself and let that become what's more real to us than anything else by the spirit. And then this praise begins to erupt on the inside. And we can literally walk in this world of darkness and clouds in rainbows and sunshine, the man Christ Jesus. You say, Eric, I'm, I'm just, I just don't think it's all going to go well. I didn't say anything about going well. I'm talking about something so much better than things going your way. It's a prophet named Jesus, a priest named Jesus, and a king named Jesus. So much better than stuff going right. I like when stuff goes right, but something is better than things going right. It is the presence of a living Christ. Oh, if you could prize Christ rightly, nothing would be bitter to you. So all his garments smell of myrrh, his priestly garment, his wonderful prophet garment, his kingly garment. Praise God. He is perfection unlimited. Was that, is that real? Oh, well. Praise God. You know, what, you know remember when, the, when it thundered and they thought it was thunder, but God had said, this is my son. Listen to him. God testifies of his son by thunder. <laughs> Praise God. He is perfection unlimited. Each, you know, there are many things that are good for something, but Jesus is good for everything. And what I mean by that is like bread is good. Water is good. Medicine is good. Clothes are good. But none of them cross into each other. In other words, bread cannot be clothing, and medicine is not water. They each have their own good, but none of them are all good. But Jesus is bread for the hungry. He is water for the thirsty. He is a physician for the sick. He is literally that one who is clothing those naked with shame. That's our Christ, everything in one. That's our Christ. So Christ is unlimited. All his offices, his nature, his per personhood, it's a conglomeration of all that you would ever need. That's what Jesus is. 
And I encourage you to look nowhere else because looking anywhere else for the stuff that Jesus is is just wasting time. It's vanity. It's, it's literally unbelief of what he has told us he is. It is the expression of unbelief to look for in others what God has told you he is. And what we see in Jesus is he is all these things. We know Christ is all, as Paul says it perfectly. Christ is all. And in order for me to realize Christ as all, that means I've got to recognize that I'm nothing. And I need him. So we think tonight, this is what I want to pull our minds to, to the highest place there is. Christ's unrivaled charms. Even in the crackle of the flame, the martyrs sung of his infinite charms. Oh, unrivaled charms. Jesus is unrivaled. He's a shepherd for your provision and a sheep for your pardon. <laughs> this is our Christ. I've come tonight with one agenda. I want to talk about Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit grab these words and tickle your soul into obedience. That's what the, that's what the Spirit does. So we have a prophet above all prophets uttering words of God far above anybody else. Think about this. He is the one who utters God's words. That's what it means by he wears a priest, a prophet garment. All his garments smell of myrrh. All his garments are sugared with sweetness. All of his garments are perfumed with his person. Well, the prophet garment is this. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We see Jesus with such beautiful prophet words like this. Or when he looks at you and he says, do not be worried about your life. This is the great prophet speaking to you. Do not be worried about your life. You cannot add one, uh, one cubit to your waist. You can't even change anything. You, tomorrow has enough care of its own. Do not worry about your life. You have him standing up and saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by me. You have him saying, do not let your heart be troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me. You have Jesus standing there saying, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, I am with you. This is the garment of the priest that smells so sweet. I need this sweet-smelling prophetic garment in my life all the time. And I feel abandoned, I feel lonely, I feel lost in some ways, and Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just recently, uh, something happened with a friend of ours, and I just felt really hurt and gashed, and I felt as if I was left alone, like this person had just abandoned me. I could feel it in my heart and I was just trying to pretend like it was fine and then I went to this meeting and it was very apparent that things had changed and I was no longer considered in their eyes and I just began to like get teary-eyed, feeling rejected and lonely and like left, left alone and the Lord speaks into my ear with the sweet prophetic garment that he wears and he said, I, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he healed up my heart by a statement. Sometimes anxiety takes over our minds and all you need is to hear the prophet speak and say, do not worry about your life. You may look at the world and you may see all the stuff that's going on in this world and you don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know what's certain, what's not certain, and then you hear the prophet's sweet voice say this, do not let your heart be troubled, believe in God and believe also in me. All his garments swell, smell of sweetness. 
It's just he's so fragrant with sweetness in every way. And not only does he wear that prophetic garment, he also wears the garment of a priest. How many of you know that you need a priest in your life? You need someone to stand between you and God. Charles Spurgeon said, you stand before God as Christ because Christ stood before God as you. That's the priest, praise God. So we have a priest that is so much better than all other priests because he's the priest of a better covenant, a once for all sacrifice. He holds the priesthood permanently after the order of Melchizedek, he never dies, he's never began, he never ends. This is a higher priesthood. He saves forever all those who draw near to God through him. He is the perfect son forever, always making intercession for you. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. (laughs) He has entered in and created for us a new and living way. He represents you as one sentenced for you. In my place condemned he stood. You have a priest who smells of sweetness and is always looking for you, always running over the hills to rescue you you, always coming to lift you up. That's what his very name means, Christ. That's what his very name means, Jesus. You know, Jesus means Savior, which means in his very name is the fact that he's attracted to your weaknesses. Why? Because a Savior comes to deliver you from destruction. A Savior comes to help the weak. The Savior comes to help the needy. That's what Jesus means in his very Name and nature is revealed someone who, as like one of my friends likes to say, the things about you that make you cringe most make him hug tightest. We need a priest and we have a great priest. I have a great need for Christ, but I have a great Christ for my need. I have a great need for a priest, but I have a great priest for my need, praise God. All his garments smell of sweetness, praise God, praise God, praise God. And lastly, he is the king of kings. He wears a sweet smelling garment, his office as king. He wears this as well. His throne is forever and ever. His kingdom shall know no end. He is the only sovereign, the one who possesses, the only one who possesses immortality and dwells in light unapproachable, holding the government upon his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace, and his government will increase forever and ever. This is the king whose sweet garment I need and you need and the world needs and the universe needs. We need the fragrance of this sweet garment to spread throughout the the nation, to spread throughout our hearts, to spread throughout our churches. We need this wonderful sweet kingship in our hearts and in our lives. You say all his garments smell of myrrh. Say all his garments are perfumed with his sweet person. Yes, and we're in need of them all the time. I need his voice in the prophet. I need his intercession in his priesthood. And I need him to rule me as king. As the scripture says this, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. In other words, it's the garment of this man, Christ, who is the peace that rules in your heart. Let him be the arbitrator, as one Bible says, the arbitrator, the captain of the ship. Let the peace of God guide your heart. Praise God. 
The scripture says, let the, the peace of God shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. <laughs> so where does, the, where does the mind get guarded and the heart get guarded? In Christ Jesus, the recognition of his prophet, priest, and kingship. It's in the recognition of the fact that he is the anointed one, the savior. We must recognize these things about them and make about him and make them a meditation upon him because it is it is life itself we drink we drink of his goodness through remembering his nature and his name and his person man god shows himself to moses and once moses sees god he actually what he sees is the name of the lord is proclaimed in front of him which is his glory, his goodness, and his nature is proclaimed in front of him. Moses falls on his face. That's what happens when we meditate upon the nature and the goodness of his great name. It causes us to worship the Lord, praise God. I lack worship in my life to the degree he, he is not in my view. Praise God. So this is Christ Jesus. If I could tonight, I would just literally push the door open to his chamber just one centimeter. And if you could see him for one second, you would be reduced to one desire, to dwell in his temple and to gaze upon his beauty forever. To dwell in his presence and behold his beauty, praise God. Being changed again and again and again. What kind of a sight turns a man from one thing to another? I'll tell you looking at Jesus, transforms a man from one thing to another. And then when he thinks he's already transformed, he sees the Lord again, he's transformed from one thing to another. And he's just constantly being transformed by visions of Christ, seeing him in his nature and his goodness and this inexhaustible saviorhood. In the Valley of Vision, it says, grant me to feel my need of your continual saviorhood. I need to feel my need of your continual saviorhood. You, I need you to save me again, Lord. I need you to save me again. I've been, I've been, was talking with Josh yesterday and I, he said, what's the Lord been saying to you? And it just hit me. I can't even trust my surrender. Of course I say, Lord, with all my heart, like David says, with all my heart I seek you. And then he says, but Lord, don't let me be put to shame. In other words, yes, Lord, I choose to put all my heart upon you, but I don't even trust my wholeheartedness. I look to you to help me not be put to shame. So, Lord, yes, I, I surrender to you, but I don't put my trust in my surrender. I put my trust in you. I think it's just the key. It is really, the, the, like Jason Upton said, trust is the purest worship as you surrender to the Lord. So, the sight of Christ, no other sight can take a man's eyes off of himself. No other sight can take a man's eyes off of himself. We are self-obsessed. Even in Christianity, we turn everything to be about us. But to look at Christ as who he is, it removes the eyes from yourself and Jesus is seen. And this changes a man on the inside. It conquers our wills by melting our hearts. We see Jesus. He conquers the will by melting the heart. 
Jonathan Edwards wrote this, a sight of the divine beauty of Christ bows the will and draws the hearts of men. I'm gonna read it one more time, listen closely. A sight of the divine beauty of Christ bows the will and draws the hearts of men. This is the kind of sight that authors and finishes faith. Leonard Ravenhill was asked at the end of his life, how did you live faithful to God all these years? And he said, looking unto Jesus. In other words, looking unto Jesus is not only how my faith began, it is how it is sustained all the way to the end. Many people have looked unto Jesus in the beginning, but then they've looked at other things and no longer follow the Lord. But to look at Jesus and continually look, he will author and finish the faith. The wonderful thing about the word looking in Greek is that it's a compound word. And all of us went to third grade, we know what a compound word is. Two words put together, it's from to. Looking unto Jesus means looking from to. I'm turning my eyes away from the world. I'm turning my eyes away from these people. I'm turning my eyes away from this situation. I'm turning my eyes away from me. And I turn my eyes to him. That's how he authors and finishes faith. Eric, how do I turn my eyes to him? Just look at all of his garments, that smell of sweetness. Look at his prophetness. Look at his priestliness. Look at his kingship. Stare at it in the scriptures and then remember how that was applied to your life in each way. And it causes the heart, causes the heart to come alive. There's a strong quote I'm gonna say right now. You guys can hear me, right? <laughs> can you hear me? All right, good. Listen closely to this quote, and this is where the sharp edge of the blade comes, but it's very important that this blade hit us hard. John Owen. He said, if you do not enjoy looking at Christ now, you will not enjoy seeing him when he comes. If you do not enjoy looking at Christ now, you will not enjoy seeing him when he comes. He also said, if Christ is not a heaven for you now, he shall not be hereafter. I urge, I urge each one of you as I urge myself, let us look unto Jesus. Let us turn our eyes to all of his garments that smell of sweetness, to admire him in all of his offices, in all of the attributes of his nature, in all the wonder and splendor of what he's actually like. Praise God. Men say that Christ has all their attention, but their lack of joy and peace and satisfaction and fulfillment testify against them. To look at Jesus is to find fullness of satisfaction and peace. I feel I was sent here today to urge you penetration of the light of his excellencies. Because to resist the penetration of the light of his excellencies is to invite distress to your mind and to your heart. But to attach yourself to him by constant communion with him and contemplation of him, you'll be freed from these unnecessary distresses. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not just resistance in the way of direct rejection, but even the resistance of ignoring 
the splendor and majesty that has been revealed. Ignoring this book will cause a whole bunch of unnecessaries in our lives. I feel a lot of people's problems are just a dusty Bible. To look at his face through the scriptures and remember what he shows us of himself gives a sight of Christ that steals the heart away. So how can, how can grace fill a heart that is cluttered? I encourage you to clear the way so that Christ can be all that's seen. So that there'll be no lack of peace, no lack of joy, no lack of satisfaction, no lack of fulfillment. But we would let Christ be all. A lot of times the lack of peace in our lives is a surrender that's incomplete. An incomplete surrender. But if our surrender is incomplete, it's because we don't realize all of his garments smell of sweetness. We have forgotten that all of his garments smell of sweetness when our surrender is incomplete and we invite that frustration and distress. See, if we're willing to quietly look upon Christ, the prophet, the priest, the king, everything else will slowly begin to disappear and we shall see him as he is. Oh, the gain of Christ is worth more than anything lost for his sake. And the great fear that people have is that if they lose something for Christ's sake, he won't replace it. I promise you, he'll replace it with himself. And that's much better, praise God. So I urge you to look upon him in a fresh way, to look upon him that you might love him. And in loving him, as Fenelon wrote, Love, it, love him and I will release you from anything else because everything else will be done by loving him. To find love for Jesus rising up in your heart because you see his wonderful splendor and majesty. I urge you to feed on him alone and abandon all the lesser lovers and lesser pursuits and lesser thought patterns and lesser heart fulfillments so that you can see everything else is empty apart from him. This is really storming. Praise God. So this is the last thing I'll say. Jackie, you can come up. I feel like I'm fighting against the Lord. I've just come to hold up Christ who is so lovely in all of his garments. Lift him up so that you'd be taken by the stars of his charms. That you would love him more than you love yourself. Because that is happiness. And that is liberty. That is peace and that is satisfaction that this world will never be able to copy. So I urge you tonight, let's look at Jesus. All right? Last thing I'll say is this. And I've said it already, but I'll say it again. How do I look at Jesus? Well, there's three ways that I know that are very easy. Number one, worship. Just worship him. Number two, read the scripture about what he has shown us of himself. And number three, communion with him by prayer. Looking to him, pouring out your heart to him. 
giving him all your attention. This is looking at Jesus, attaching yourself to him by communion, by contemplation. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Let's just do this. Just right where you are, just put your hand on your heart. Let's make a decision together tonight. Just say this with me, say, Jesus, I recognize that all your garments are sweet and your personhood is all that I need. Your presence, your nature, your goodness, and how you are is enough for my heart. So I surrender to you tonight and I ask you to help me not even trust my own surrender, but to put my trust in you. I vow to you today to set you high above all other things, to make communion with you my first priority, to live a life of worship, to lay my life at your feet because all your garments smell of sweetness and you are God's king. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.